0: Hi, and welcome to This is iBrooks, the interviews. My name's Thomas McIntyre, and today we've got a very, very special guest, a football finance expert and lecturer in finance at the University of Liverpool probably best known as well uh, as potentially the baron from the Extraordinary Price of Football uh, podcast. It is indeed Kieran Maguire. Kieran, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thanks very much for the welcome, Thomas, and the the big up. Um, I'm looking forward to this chat.
0: Well, yeah, well, I I sense that if I I bid you up, I might get some reflected glory from this. So (laughs) we'll start off on that basis and it'll swiftly go downhill for me, uphill for you. Um, So, I mean, first of all, Top question that everybody's asking uh, in terms of you and yours. How is the uh, the self-isolation, everything OK in terms of the COVID pandemic?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I live in the middle of nowhere. So I'm, I'm used to living by by myself with my wife and, and the dog. So we, we just carry on as per normal. Um, I, I can't teach at present face to face, which my students prefer. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm teaching online and, and just getting on with things. Um, and like everybody else, I don't like the restriction of freedom, but everybody's got to see the big picture. And, uh, you know, that those people who are doing those amazing things in the NHS, we've always have appreciated them in the past, but perhaps not enough. And I think you know, it's, it's really coming home at present.
0: Yeah, I think that's a, a key point. I think uh, any listeners uh, who work in the NHS or are related or live with, uh, if that's the loved ones, they're doing an incredible job and putting, literally putting the lives on the line. Uh, coming away from that for a moment, uh, actually, just something I've always wanted to ask you, and I've never picked up, so that moment when I'm trying to sandbag you with a question here, um, it's is just actually, in terms of the Price of Football podcast, how did that really come about? Um, I, I do quite a lot of
1: media work on, on behalf of the university. They're, they're quite keen to have public engagement. So I, I regularly appear on uh, BBC Radio 5 Live. Um, one of the, the, the finance guys there, a guy called Guy Kilty, he was uh, setting up a, a podcast production company. So he approached me to say, how did I fancy it? And I said, well, I'll give it a go, but nobody's going to be interested and um, we'll, we'll run out of topics to cover. Um, and on, on both of those uh, particular issues, I, I got it totally wrong. Um, so I, I actually approached uh, Kevin Day, the the comedian, on Twitter, and, he, and he, I don't know him from Adam. He doesn't know me. Um, and it was purely in the off chance, and I said, "Look, we're thinking of giving this a try. Um, we think you'd be absolutely fantastic," and he, and he is absolutely brilliant. His the way that he uh, the way that he couches the questions the way, the way that he stops it being too nerdy or too dry is uh it makes my life really easy um and thanks to the crazy world of football um we haven't run out of topics in fact we we now sort of struggle to to keep the, the show down to we're trying to make it no more than say 40 minutes at a time um to uh to, to keep people entertained uh, so yeah it, it works it's worked really well i think we're getting Twenty-five to thirty thousand uh, downloads per episode, and we're doing two episodes a week. So, yes, it, it's gone far beyond expectations.
0: Yeah, and, and certainly, I, I will quiz you at the end of why none of my questions have ever been answered on the uh, on the listeners' question pod. That has to be said. Uh, I will say as well if any of the listeners haven't. Uh, listened uh, a sense if you've got an interest in football you probably have but if you haven't listened to the the price of football podcast um you can get it on all platforms i think that's right uh, i certainly use acast to listen to it but i would heartily heartily recommend it thank you um, Check, Checked so, in the post thomas yeah well you know what it's always uh, as they say follow the money follow the money um so i'm going to do my best to in- inhabit kevin uh, for the for the purposes of this podcast uh I have not shaved my eyebrows; they are ready to go up and down at a moment's notice. Um, so, I—I I mean, given that this is a a Rangers-focused podcast, and that's what this is, Ibrox is, is all about. Um, it sounds as though we would generally start with with Rangers, but what I thought might be a little bit more interesting—and uh, again, I'm happy to take the the nod of uh, nod of the expert here—but if we start at a more macro level in terms of what uh, coronavirus pandemic has meant for football on that kind of global scale in terms of prize money and tv money uh, and let's well maybe couch it down into a european basis so if i'm a man in the street in terms of money coming in from a european perspective and at uefa and fifa they seem to be a bit loggerheads is that is that right in terms of approach uh yes i, I think that they both want to be seen as the leaders
1: in the game uh uefa have in fact today said that football's suspended indefinitely, which I think is the right approach to take. Um FIFA have been trying to muscle in onto UEFA's patch over the course of the last couple of years. And I think this they see this as an opportunity um that if they can start to get something started ahead of UEFA, it will give them a competitive advantage. Uh, UEFA Pays out huge sums of money to clubs in Europe. The, the rewards for winning the the Champions League those could be as up to 130 million pounds uh, for the winners this year. If you win the uh, if if you win the Europa League again, you, you're talking 35 to 40 million. So those are, those are game changers to, to some clubs. Um, e- even if you are an existing big club, it still makes a hell
0: of a difference to your season. That's that's quite interesting. Do you think that there might be some sort of, uh, or the potential for these pan-European, or UEFA, that pan-European association to be sucked up, essentially, by FIFA, if this carries on. Um, I, I don't think so. I, I
1: think there is uh, there is so much politics in, in world football that um, the, the the European leagues would fear that the voice that they have, however small it is in UEFA, would be far smaller if they, yeah. they, they aligned themselves with FIFA, simply because then they're also having to deal with the MLS. They're having to deal with the Australian A-League and the Chinese Super League and the J-League in Japan and so on. So... Um, there's no love lost between some of the individual leagues and some of the individual clubs in UEFA, um, but uh, it, it's better than the alternative. It's, you know, it's a bit like you know, we have a parliamentary democracy. It, why, is, why do we put up with it? Because the, the next option is worse. doesn't mean that the option we've got at present is necessarily good.
0: Well, you know, I'd probably challenge you on the fact that I would be a benevolent dictator. Uh, and, and when when that, that vote finally comes in, uh, you can be the finance expert, you can be my chancellor. So uh, it's, it's, all going, it's all going to work out. Um, I'm just wondering, though, in terms of trying to get my head around that, because I'm not a finance expert. So uh, recently we, we'd seen Man, Man City, for example, having... Some difficulties we'll just couch that they are not talking about man city and uh, specific terms obviously but there was a lot of glee from other clubs in terms of the um the punishment that they'd received i'm just wondering in terms of financial fair play and the lack of revenue coming into clubs and the fact that there might have to be bailouts uh and subsidies etc how ffp would naturally sit alongside that is there a do you think there'll be flexibility there I
1: think if FFP is applied strictly, then there will be huge numbers of clubs who potentially will be in breach. Um, FFP is designed to stop excess in normal times. And we are not operating in a normal environment at present. We're living in an extraordinary world as a result of the pandemic. Um And in my opinion, and I'm not saying that clubs will go along with this or or administrators will, the the focus should be, A, on let's deal with the public health issues and and the the macroeconomic issues that that we have to deal with in society, and then B, in terms of football – Let's try to ensure that this side of the the border, we've still got 92 clubs who can physically play next season. And in Scotland, you've got the four divisions and and no clubs drop out there either. And and if that is achieved, then I I think that will be testament to everybody that's managed to get involved and reach compromises where necessary to then go and punish clubs because of a breach of what ultimately is 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 a load of silly accounting rules, which... I and others can quite easily circumvent when we put our minds to um, what w- makes the whole would make the whole thing ridiculous
0: well I've got some papers from Mossack fans uh, Fonseca that we should probably talk about offline and um, because I could use some you could use some help there and um, uh, and being a Rangers fan I know all about financial difficulty up to a certain point um, and and certainly down south we could probably Kevin's not here so we could absolutely see Palace going to the wall um, but that's maybe one for you now to discuss uh, I'm just wondering as well what would your feelings be about would this accelerate or would the financial implications of the pandemic and, and that macro level be looking to accelerate the potential for a breakaway European League um, I, I think if uh,
1: clubs take a big financial hit if the uh, if, if the delay in the return to football goes beyond three months, if it, we don't return until the autumn, and the big sponsors and the TV companies start demanding money back, what the big clubs will say to themselves is, well, look, you know, for, for too many years, um, you know, in you know, and let, let's take Rangers and Celtic, they they are Scottish football in terms of the drivers of revenue, yeah, that they they generate so much of the revenue, and nobody's denying that. Would therefore this mean um, that some form of joined up league with Portugal and Holland you know there's this fabled Atlantic League would that make more sense it might do financially certainly this side of the border um you know why should Manchester United and Liverpool continue to have to go and put up with going to small clubs like Bournemouth and Crystal Palace when they could be playing Barcelona and Bayern Munich and Bayern and and, uh, you know Leverkusen and Dortmund and all of these big clubs every year guaranteed um and make far more money from it because They've all suffered a financial hit. Um, so, yes, I think you're absolutely right. Um, but I think that the first effort will be to get some form of football back um, and then see just exactly what are the states of the finances on the back of that.
0: You know, you're, you're going to get a lot of action on, on Twitter uh, from Celtic fans, if you don't already, Kieran, for not referring to Rangers as Sevco or Rangers 2012 as a new club. So you're going to definitely get a wash back. Be prepared. Be prepared for that. Um, I'm just wondering as well in terms of, and the reason why I had mentioned uh, Palace was actually because I was mentioning EPL. In terms of these larger um, leagues, and I say larger advisedly because what I mean is the money behind them and and EPL obviously being the richest league in, in the world. I'm just wondering if they've got more of an ability to insulate themselves the financial crisis because they've received their tv money and it's it's so substantial and then also the ability to have a more powerful voice at uefa means that the potential for them for the rich to get richer and the smaller clubs to essentially be broken down and if they can get you know keep their business models going come back online as essentially feeder clubs or much reduced if that's a real pressing concern i mean i would certainly think that that would be the case V- very much so we we've seen at both
1: uh, at both the UEFA level and the EPL level in recent years that the big clubs have come up with more and more schemes, which have ensured that they've ended up with more and more of the TV pie. So therefore, if you, if you take a look at UEFA, we have now the UEFA coefficient, which is based on your performance over the course of the last 10 years. You've got Agnelli from Juve effectively in charge now of the European Club Association. And he's been saying that clubs like, like Atalanta shouldn't have been, been allowed to play in this year's Champions League, because they're not big enough. Um, so when that those types of comments are coming out, and now we've seen uh, in England, we've seen that the um, overseas TV pot, which used to be split evenly between the 20 clubs, is now going to be linked to league position. I.e., the big clubs are going to be getting more of this. Um, it, it's because they don't. They, the biggest thing that they fear is another Leicester City. Or you know where where a relatively small club is is success sex, successful takes away their position which they see as theirs by right for European qualification and so on, um, I think there will be more and more pressure coming that way because ultimately money talks in football as it does in all business. You know, Football football is not divorced from the rest of life. It, it's merely a microcosm of, of what we're experiencing on a day-to-day basis. And, and there is this increased polarisation of wealth. And you know, this isn't me standing on a socialist soapbox here. It's just a fact of life that what we have seen over the course of the last 10 years or so is that the the, the the gaps between rich and poor have got bigger and bigger in all
0: aspects of life. And one of those aspects is, of course, football. So, I mean, I couldn't agree with uh, any of that anymore. And I don't think you need to be on a soapbox to notice the disparity of, you know, where we are. Um, nobody said the word cartel. And if they did, I'll absolutely make sure it's edited out um, later on. But... I suppose, you know, as we go down that and we check, you know, those type of um, what would once be classed as big leagues but have smaller clubs, you know, that Atalanta example is, you know, very, very pressing and, and on the ball, so to speak, excuse the pun. Uh, see, I'm turning into Kevin slowly, but surely I'm managing to get a couple of puns in as well. Um, I'm just wondering then if I draw that back towards towards Scotland and, and towards uh, the SFA, the SPL uh, and Rangers and Celtic. So to speak. Although I think one of them is a bigger driver than the other, obviously. But uh, you, you recently had a, a fantastic podcast uh, with Neil Doncaster on the price of football. Uh, and again, if anybody hasn't listened to that, I thought it was extremely uh, illuminating because uh, you know we don't generally get that level of transparency from Neil and the team up here for a whole host of reasons. Not alone because you know there's a lot of uh, noise, no matter what they say. And um, so it was, I point everybody towards it. But I'm just wondering in terms of. From a smaller league perspective, and there's no doubt that Scotland is a smaller league, particularly with the TV money, what you think the ramifications are in a, a very mid, just short to mid-term for clubs, and we can look at the longer term in a moment, but short to, to mid-term in terms of loss of match day income?
1: Well, if, if you take a look at Rangers, 60% of their income comes from that match day vehicle. We're probably talking about, I estimate about one, one and a quarter million pounds per match. Um, now, clearly, if they're progressing in cups and they're progressing in Europe, that that's genuine cash they do automatically, of course, receive a huge amount of uh, of their matchday income via the season ticket route. So in terms of cash, it's not coming in, but we're, we're at season ticket renewal time. Now, you have to excuse my ignorance here. Um, I don't know whether the letters have gone out. I don't know whether Rangers have turned around and said to fans, look, everybody's suffering at present. We're going to give you a, a season ticket payment holiday. We're not going to take the money out of your bank accounts just yet. Well, if they do that, That's great for the individual, but clearly it's not good for the club. Mm -hmm. So uh, match day in Scotland is absolutely crucial because the size of the TV deal is that much smaller. And therefore, I think from the position of... Uh, Both the two Glasgow clubs and also anybody else that's qualifying for Europe and making progress in European competition, especially getting to the group stages of either the Europa Cup or the Champions League, uh, is a real game changer. Uh, You know, for, for Rangers, it will probably be in the makes the difference of you know 20 million if they qualify for the group stages of the of the Europa Cup. And if they can get into the Champions League and get into the group stages of that, we can add another 10 to 15 million on top of that as well. Um, And and for a club that in in 2018 had only total income of 33 million, you can see that massive difference that it's going to make to the club's finances, its ability to recruit players, its, its ability to retain Steven Gerrard as the manager and things
0: of that nature. So I can definitely confirm the letters haven't been out yet because I've not received mine. Uh, so it must be somewhere in the post. But I suppose my, my first question to that is, would the clubs naturally have a right to do that in terms of renew at the moment when you're talking about a potential pandemic that could last for six months or whatever and might not be back online by the start of the new season? Uh, and also a, a further question to that is, in terms of TV money and prize money, particularly European, Rangers were in the Europa League, this season did really well i'm um, certainly they turned over that 3-1 deficit to a leverkusen in, in the second leg uh, and went on to win it i could see see you agree uh, with me there kieran thanks very much for that that's endorsed now um i'm just wondering what the payment looks like and a further question to you because you mentioned it earlier on in terms of the coefficient i don't see naturally how they managed to rebalance that considering european uh, competitions weren't able to finish well i I think those, those are questions which UEFA themselves
1: are are keeping in their back room because they don't want to have to answer them. In their ideal world, there will be some form of resumption of European competition for for these reasons of sporting integrity, because otherwise it's going to be decided by committee. It's going to be decided by accountants and lawyers, and they're the ones who are going to make money out of it rather than the clubs themselves. Um and a lot of people are going to come out of it feeling sore so even if it's if even if the final decision is that matches need to take take place behind closed doors provided that is not taking frontline health services away from what they need to be focusing on that would be the ideal solution to to what we're going to have in terms of football if they just knock things off on the head at present, where we are, uh, you know, you can get crazy situations. Whereby, well, you know, Rangers are halfway through a through a match. It, it is only half time, and you know, we've we've seen Rangers come back from defeats or you know uh, losing positions earlier on in Europe this season. So there's no reason why they can't
0: do it again. Um, and the good, good man, referencing now. By the way, that's that's. Jake's coming back to you in the post now. <laughs> um, I I think
1: that. Uh, that clubs would have a right um, and certainly they will have a lawyer whispering in their ear that that you can go and make some form of legal appeal and and we'll just get dragged down into uh, an almighty mess of appeals and counter appeals and claims and and lots of people feeling very sore. So regardless of um, what ultimately happens in terms of the distribution of money, I think the first thing we've got to do is to have some form of football returning but you know, that there is no guarantee there. And, and then there's going to be a huge nightmare in terms of what to do
0: with the money. So just a, a question off the back of that, um, you know, given that the TV companies drive, you know, the, the biggest leagues and the trickle down money from UEFA, et cetera, what's their position? Have they made clear their position in terms of we've handed you all this cash and, you know, we base our sponsorship and our advertising money on this? Uh, so, you know, get this done or we, we claw some of the money or claw back some of the money. Um, I, I think the, the TV companies, if they've got
1: any sense, will be keeping their, their powder dry. Um, you can be guaranteed that conversations have already been taking place. And it could be along the lines of certainly from a domestic point of view, look, we've missed out on six weeks. We've missed out on 12 weeks of football when you were supposed to supply, supply us with 20 matches. If you could supply us with 30 matches net on, on the new form of the end of the season, we might be able to reach some form of compromise with you. Oh, and by the way, we want a few extra matches thrown in for free next season. Uh, when in Scotland, you know, oh, Yeah, we spoke to Neil and he was talking about the, the new Sky TV deal. It could be that Sky say, well, yeah, we agreed a price. We, we, we feel that we've been shortchanged in 2019-20. Is there any way you can make that up to us in 2021? So, you know, I think there'll be a lot of adult discussions. Uh, Scottish football needs Sky and BT or just Sky, whatever it's going to be. BT and Sky also need Scottish football. They also need the Premier League. Um, To a certain extent, the relationship, it's a bit like two drunks in a street, both propping each other up, you know, and they're both actually quite wobbly without one another. Football desperately needs the TV money, but TV needs the subscribers because if Sky was to suddenly lose all rights to football in the UK, it's going to lose eighty percent of its subscribers. Because the only reason why we put up with all the garbage on the you know the the, the, the cheese channel or whatever other nonsense you can get on a on a Sky TV channel. Sorry, sorry, what? what was that one again well i, I presume there's one it, it, it seems to be one on practice there's food and drink and so i presume there's one on specialist food such as cheese um, it's,
0: the, it's the goat channel
1: <laughs> true um then then sky can't afford to lose the premier league any more than the premier league can afford to lose sky so that they, 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 they've got to acknowledge that there's a mutual dependency so if they start firing bullets at each other then both of them are going to suffer significant
0: losses yeah you can probably guarantee that the the, the punter on the street will be the one that gets that gets squeezed out of the conversation uh, and certainly not an example of two drunks uh, huddling together on uh, a street that i was expecting from from you there straight out of the accountant's 101 handbook uh, <laughs> how it make, how it make it easily digestible for people like me um so I mean, going going back then, and uh, you know, we've worked, went through the stages here of European kind of global football. We've got to Scotland, concentrating on Rangers again. And I know you touched on them a moment ago. So Rangers currently running at a, a loss. It's within the the, uh, the 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 fiscal plan. It's within the, the business model, etc. And um, player trading's big on that as well. I'm just wondering from a specific Rangers point of view, and we can maybe talk about the rest of Scottish football in a moment. But from a specific Rangers point of view, we've, we've touched on the match the income. But I'm just wondering, in terms of further investment, and there was talk of investment from Stuart Gibson at ESR, uh, listed in the Hong Kong Stock Exchange, whether the current uh, pandemic uh, influence on global markets just absolutely kills that stone dead. Uh, Not necessarily, because um, this is a
1: terrible thing. Where there's misery, there's money, there's opportunity for some people. So I'm I'm not saying that this guy is that way involved. It could be that he's suffered significant losses like all corporate entities have. Alternatively, he could have been doing. He might have been smart. He might have predicted what was going to happen, in which case you can can make a lot of money um, from from the markets as well. Um, A lot will depend on how significant is, is 20 million pounds to an individual investor if we're talking a billionaire then they're not going to miss it um if we're talking about a guy that started off with 50 million pounds loves glasgow rangers wants to put in 20 million because that's that's a sizable for you know chunk of his income which he can still live on the remainder but if that remainder then goes from 50 million to 25 because the value of all of his other assets have halved then he might have to reconsider so so the problem is i don't know how wealthy he is and i don't know what in what assets and investments he has so he he could be fine he could be just washing his face of this or it could make a significant impact upon his
0: ability to support the club that he loves i think it's one to, to as you say wait until we understand the the depth and detail of his of his wealth um in terms of rangers as well dave king chairman recently stepped down and uh Douglas Park, um, chairman of the, the Parks Motor Group, has stepped up. I mean, I don't know from a, a down south perspective there. I almost did a Cockney accent and pulled myself out of it at the last minute there. Um, how how um, knowledgeable or how high profile Dave King was, I, I'd imagine they, at the very least he would have flagged up on the radar with the Gerald appointment. Yes, I, I think that was quite a coup for the club it certainly increased
1: the profile um i think stephen gerrard is a is a brand in his own right you know liverpool captain england captain guy with a squeaky clean image You know, he's lifted the the champions league as a, as a as a captain and he's held in in high regard by the vast majority of fans uh, who've ever seen him play, because he, he, was a, he was a force of nature to watch. So um, I think there was a lot of curiosity um, to see whether he could transfer his uh, his skills that he'd learned as a player into a, to those of a coach or a manager. So I, I, from my point of view, I, I think that was quite a coup. Uh, I mean, in terms of Dave King, as you know, I work in the world of finance. Um, his, his reputation there is... Is sullied with with some of the the comments that I've seen this side of the border, which come from the various takeover panels and people of that nature. Um, you, know, you take everything with a pinch of salt because whatever I see in the in the Scottish press, and, and I sort of I, I get about 200 emails a day on football mm. finance, and, and I sort of go through them, and then quite often they link to articles. But my perception of the the uh, the media market in Scotland that it, it does appear to be um either one side of the other um and, and trying to get a a more nuanced uh, viewpoint is is actually quite difficult to to draw a conclusion um because I don't have the inside knowledge and I don't live Rangers or Celtic and, and certainly from my experiences of whenever I say anything about either of those clubs um, from, a, from a financial point of view, uh, clearly the fans are, are very passionate about that. And, and anything which is not fulsome in praise is, is, is taken as a, as, as, a, as a lot as, as being very critical where, whereby perhaps people are just saying, well, we've got one or two reservations. That doesn't that, that, that it's, It seems to be very black and white in Scotland in terms of fan perception of dave king and i suspect that the true answer is somewhere in between Uh, i think there's one thing that we can agree on is
0: mike ashley you take the words words right out of my mouth there we don't we don't do nuance terribly well um uh, between Rangers and celtic but what we can all agree on is mike ashley and sports direct are Not our favourite people. There we go. I'll keep it a clean family show. But uh, I mean, I think Mike Ashley is vying for Worst Person in the World awards on a virtual daily basis. Um, I'm just wondering, as well, when it comes to to Rangers, they're a private company running at a loss, but they've got backers. And we've touched on that a little bit more and investment coming in. But in terms of clubs, in a general sense, uh, being a privately owned company or a PLC at the moment with the way the stock market's reacting to the, the coronavirus. What's your take on the best position for a club to be, or what's the biggest risk to be in a PLC, for example?
1: Um, the, the biggest risk is that the share price tanks. Um, as, as we've seen with Manchester United, their share price has fallen by around about a third, that um, you will have some people who are shareholders who are short of cash, and um, therefore, they end up selling the shares. And it could be that you get various vultures and people whose interest is not in football. It's uh, it's in exploiting football end up with greater influence uh, in the game. And I think a classic example of that was was the Glazer family at Manchester United. Now, I'm, I'm not a fan of Manchester United. I've lived 40 years of my life in Manchester. Um, uh, I was never, never particularly keen on them. Uh, But even so, I I felt it was a it was a backward step. Um, Manchester United, as a result of that takeover, have paid over a billion pounds in in accountants fees, in interest and dividends to people
0: who are not part of the game. You looked really unhappy when you said a billion pounds in accountants fees. And I'm sensing none of them came to you here and I can feel your pain coming through there. I'm, I'm a teacher.
1: You know, I'm I'm, uh, I'm I'm not a not an accountant. I, I was an absolutely dreadful accountant, and, and quite quite fortunately for both parties, we separated our ways uh, in the 1980s.
0: Oh well, I won't dive into that live on there. I'll tell you. we'll move swiftly 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 on. Uh, I'm just then just to you know close up because I know you're a very very busy man in terms of finishing leagues. What's your what's your personal position on whether league trophy should be handed over at this point in time? If we can't uh, no. play any more games between now and let's say the start of next season or whatever? Um
1: I, I think I think it would be churlish in the Premier League for Liverpool to not be awarded with the trophy. Um they are twenty five points ahead with nine games or whatever it is. You know, so it's a it's or it's it's an incredible position that they've had. Even if they do win it from their point of view they will be frustrated because they you know i i was i, I work in liverpool you, the number of people that came out to play when they won the champions league last season was just incredible mm. um so it, it will be um it, it will be a trophy with regret because it will always be the year of the pandemic where football became a, a, you know so it, well, it's not even a secondary issue it's a non-issue um I don't think that trophies should be awarded on, on the basis of three quarters of a season, because when you start a season, you sign up for 38 games. Now, you know, I, I've seen horses tank in the last two two furlongs, normally the ones which I've had money on um, <laughs> historically. Um, and yet sometimes you just have to suck it up on sea. Um, and also, if you do award those trophies, it will always allow your detractors to say, well, hold on. Actually, you didn't win a trophy. You won three quarters of a trophy because you got it for being successful for three quarters of a season. Um, so my, my gut reaction is we sign up for a 38-game season. Every step should be undertaken to try to ensure that that is fulfilled. And, and then the club um, who wins or doesn't win has done it on merit. And the person who loses hopefully is good enough grace to say, well, yeah, OK, you did it. And you know, we'll, we acknowledge that. And next season we start again, and, you know, and we're going to do our best to, to, to uh, uh,
0: stop that happening. Yeah, here, here. I don't think I would be. I want my team to win the could-have-been cup. Uh, it has to be the real thing, or, or, or nothing at all. So, final question to you, and I'll, I'll try and I'll try and make it as quick as possible. It's two-edged, which is one recent uh, statement saying that players were in a moral vacuum uh, and that they should take pay cut to help other parts of clubs it'd be interesting to get your your feeling on that it would also be uh, interesting in terms of the wider impact that clubs such as hearts in scotland are having to take at the moment uh, downsizing in terms of saying to players and staff you take a hit and then finally what is your thoughts on how this plays out for football Um, let's say north of the border or even south of the border what's the apocalyptic view Um, In terms of players having a moral vacuum,
1: I think football players are the easiest target in society. We we don't see the, the same comments being made about the people who destroyed the world economy in 2007 and they all came from a different sector but they were all educated you know they were all middle class and therefore and they were entitled to destroy the world's economy um and their industry um their industries were were propped up by by the taxpayers globally so um I will defend football players. Um, If you take a look at what's happened with with Barcelona, I felt that the comments that Lionel Messi came out with yesterday were absolutely fantastic. We've taken a 70% pay cut because we are part of a much bigger team than the 18 players that go out on a pitch uh, on, on a Saturday afternoon. We are part of this this entity and we want therefore the tea lady to be paid we want the guy that cleans our kit to be paid because we can survive on less so i think footballers in some instances have taken fantastic leads um and we've seen this 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 side of the border with some of the players who own properties making them available to nhs staff um it's is it stephen Naismith who is the guy at hearts he said yeah yeah, he, he said, I'm willing to forego some of my wages. I've had a good career. Um, if you can afford to do that and you choose to do that, that's fantastic. Um, I'm, I'm not seeing those same comments coming from the uh, the chairman and the chief executives and the board of directors of listed companies on the stock exchange. And again, this isn't me getting on a, on a high horse. I'm not saying that they should do it. But um, why is it that footballers are being picked out? Um uh, people that drive in Formula One, they're not being expected to take pay cuts. Um, yeah, we we some, some clubs have to do it because they physically can't afford to pay the players. And I think the players will probably accept either a deferment or acknowledge that um, they have had a good career. Um, they are willing to make a short-term sacrifice because in terms of the sort of moving on to the other question, um, you, you need to have all of those teams in the scottish premiership alive and kicking to have a scottish premiership and sometimes the players will realize that by making a short-term sacrifice in terms of um their salaries then then they are going to guarantee their long-term future but i i've calculated the average wages of some of the teams in the in the scottish premiership and you've got guys who are on you know decent
0: money okay i'm not saying that they're paupers but you know, the the the, the, well, what, we, the what, what would you class as decent is there a cap here is there some some sort of segment we can put that into well uh, you know according to my calculations you've got
1: six clubs in the in the scottish premiership where where the players are earning no more than say 80 grand a year now 80 grand a year is you know a, if you offered me that as a teacher, I'd bite your hand off. But also, I'm nearly 60 years old. Football players, they're going to go to 28, 29, 32, 33. Um, when I go into class, I don't think I'm one bad tackle away from the end of my career. Um, I'm not going to be ditched at the age of 19 um, because the academy manager didn't like me. So so football is, 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 is a well-paid career for those people that make it to the top and stay there but of the, is it, is it 44 teams in scotland in the yeah. four divisions well only 14 of those are full-time professionals so uh, you know there's a lot of there's a, there's a lot of players who it, yeah. it's a top up and they've got other why, why should somebody who's playing for um wraith rovers be expected to give up his a portion of his salary when perhaps he's only on 300 pounds a week to begin with um, yeah. So the the focus is very much on the players at the top level, and both the two big Glasgow clubs are in a position to pay pretty competitive wages. And by competitive, I think that they are competitive with the top end of the championship here in England. That they they're on far less money than than even the the, the paupers of the Premier League. Um, if if they want to do that, that's fantastic because I think they they are doing that because they are good human beings but if they choose not to do it it doesn't make them bad human beings
0: yeah yeah i i completely i completely understand that i see i see we are so i think we've probably taken up as much of your time here as uh, as we are allowed to and i can't thank you enough uh, at some point i will no doubt chase you again to see if we can we can get you back on this as ibrox and um, we've spoken about the podcast i just want to double check and just clarify if somebody wants to follow you on Twitter they can follow you at at Kieran Maguire or
1: if you type in Price of Football it'll it'll probably come up on Twitter um if I can just be cheeky um I I have written a book on football finance and I'm not making a penny out of this as a result of the pandemic 100% of the royalties are going to the Trussell Trust which is the main food bank charity here in the UK I, I the book came out A couple of months ago you can get it for waterstones for a tenner if you want to get a bit of bit of better insight hopefully for for how all of these crazy numbers fit together um i've never written a book before so i've never had a royalty check so i'm never going to miss it you know so that that that's my bit you're trying to contribute towards what football can do for other people because no matter how badly off we think we are there's always somebody far worse off than us and you know the number of families who are struggling to be able to feed themselves at present um is is is
0: expanding by the day here here and you beat me to the punch i was going to mention it uh, and I'd also say, in a personal uh, way, I can heartily recommend it. I- I've read it; it's extremely interesting. And uh, people listening can't see, but I can see Kieran on the video, and he strategically placed the book behind his shoulder on the bookshelf, anyway, so that I was not getting out of this podcast without mentioning it. Um, so there we are. All left for me to do then is to say, uh, tune into the price of football. Log on to thisisibrox.co.uk. I've been Thomas McIntyre. You've been. I've been Kieran Maguire, the Baron. The the Baron has signed off. And I would like to say thank you very much for listening. All the best.